Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Ah, uh, uh, the heater. There we go. Yeah, that's my fastball for you. Oh, uh, you don't have a fastball. <laughs> you don't have anything. <laughs> you fat, <laughs> stupid. Wait, what? Hey, what's now you got? <laughs> I don't know if I want to begin that way. Shit. Okay. <laughs> My show now. I'm oh, God. Quentin, Darren, Tina. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Are we closing up on feet? Oh, God. <laughs> hey, ho, to things that are slightly less disturbing than Quentin Tarantino's foot addiction. Uh, random mysterious murders. Those are slightly less disturbing. <laughs> uh, I would have to agree with you. And this one is Wackadoodle. Yeah, I, this is the first one that I've actually pitched that we should do, so I'm very yep. happy after Nick uh, uh, came up with the first two episodes. I had originally read this story years and years ago now on a compilation of like weird unsolved mysteries, I think on crack.com. Okay. Uh, I came up again when I saw it on theodyssey.com, which is the article we'll link for this. Uh, the story of Blair Adams, who is a construction worker in Canada, uh, who went missing for a while and was killed in 1996. Uh, it's still an unsolved case, and the circumstances of it are so incredibly bizarre that it hasn't left the public consciousness since then. So I did, I did some... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you uh, share the story because sure. it's, it's, it's your, it's your uh, pitch, uh-huh. um, but I did some extra digging on this one. This, this one was actually on Unsolved Mysteries oh, back in sure. the 90s. I found it on YouTube, the episode. <laughs> um, so this one was on there. And then there was this also this other, I guess like new like unsolved mystery thing with this guy called Deadbug. Deadbug. Yeah, it's this guy with. The, I gotta show it to you. It's this guy with this. And this this was literally released last month or like end of February. Like mm-hmm. the 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 episode about Blair Adams from this guy Deadbug, and it's like this guy with this Brooklyn accent, and he's got like kind of one of those like, uh, what do you call him like. Like, you know the people who, when they kidnap people on the phone calls, they have, like, the voice modulator? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got, like, one of those over it, but it's still his Brooklyn accent. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this guy was in fucking Canada, and he then found himself in Tennessee. <laughs> it, was, it was wackadoodle. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna show you that one later. Uh, let's... Stop plugging Deadbug. <laughs> Fuck you, Deadbug. <laughs> let's get to it, though. Why don't you tell us exactly what happened to Mr. Blair Adams, who I thought was a lady before I read the article. <sighs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's uh, early July in 1996. Blair Adams is a construction worker up in Canada. Um, by all means, a relatively happy guy. He had friends and family. Uh, job is going well. He's two years sober. Uh, at this point in his life, uh, having uh, been working to overcome a problem with alcohol, going to meetings and all that. And for reasons that we still don't know or cannot explain, on July 5th in 1996, he took all the money out of his bank account, uh, emptied his safe, de- safe deposit boxes at the bank, uh, sold or packed up 
pretty much anything he had that was of any kind of value and shoved it into his car. Which was about $6,000 and more thousands of dollars in, like, jewelry and gold and stuff like that. Yeah. And he he tried to cross the the U.S. border, um, which obviously back then was a little more relaxed than it is now, even up in Canada. But uh, they, the Border Patrol agents, I guess, thought it was weird that someone was trying to cross the border with all this money and valuables in his car and was like, uh, no, just hang out, hang out in Canada. <laughs> we're, we're good right now. We got, we got to go make a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Like it takes a, it takes a lot to like be turned away from the Canadian border with the, <laughs> with the United States. Like that's how generally perturbing it is to have someone incomprehensibly show up with all their, all their belongings. No matter what year it is. Yeah. Um, so next morning, you know, he has, he has to go back home. Uh, he quits his job. And uh, buys a plane ticket to Germany, um, which he had in his hand for maybe maybe half an hour before he, he got a refund on it um, and decided not to fly. Uh, went to a friend's house uh, and started babbling at her uh, that someone was trying to kill him and he had to get away. She had to help him. She had to smuggle him across the border or do something. Um, she said no. I, uh, she seemed to have been really freaked out by this, obviously, as anyone would. I feel like if you came to me with this type of thing, I, I, I would probably say no to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Uh, like, no, man, I got, I got work tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So he, he wound up renting a car. This time he got across the border with the U.S., slightly stealthier than the last time. Uh, he was in Seattle, flew to Washington, D.C., uh, rented a car, drove to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I want to know why Knoxville. Yeah, I mean, and just the the path of it is like he drove. He, you know, he got across the border. He flew from the west coast to the east coast. Yeah. Then he drove in and down to the south. And and he was coming from British Columbia, so it was like right above Seattle. Yeah. So we went down. Uh, and it seems like this weird zigzagging pattern. And as it was pointed out in the first article I read about this, this really feels like somebody trying to shake somebody following it. Yeah. Um. And, of course, this is, you know, where it takes an unfortunate turn. He shows up at a gas station in Tennessee. This, I still don't understand what the hell happened. Me neither. He shows up at a gas station in Tennessee. He says, yeah, I can't start my car. Can one of you help me start my car? Uh, so the gas station guy, he goes to Blair Adams' car, and he finds Blair doesn't have the right set of keys for this car, and he also somehow drove it here? We have no idea how he was able to do that. Yeah, and then Blair just... Fucks off, uh, manages to hitchhike to a hotel. Uh, let me see. He, he he paid for a room and did not wind up going to it. So, is it, Matt, Matt Cullen? Yeah, yeah. So, in, in before he even gets into the hotel, I tried to find the camera footage, because the article you link talks about it, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find the camera footage. But they say that he went in and out of the front door five times Jesus before Christ. approaching the desk. So some type of, like, OCD paranoia, where he literally just walked in and back out five times straight. It's creepy. It's so creepy. Um, he got that room. He never went into it. He took off into the parking lot. And he was eventually found dead. He was dead in the parking lot. Somebody had taken off his pants. A parking lot about a half mile from the hotel. Yeah. Like, somebody had taken off his pants, and he had been beaten to death, but not in the way you think. It, he had a contusion on his stomach, like the size of a fist, that had ruptured his internal organs. And he died. Like, something punched him once and killed him. Yeah, not only were his pants removed, but his shirt was torn open and his socks were turned inside out. And also... Over four thousand dollars in um in in American, Canadian, and German currency were just scattered around him. 
He wasn't robbed. Yeah. That's the freakiest part of this. Is somebody just punched him and killed him and didn't even take his money. So, I don't know, maybe he really was running from It's just from like, someone. It, it happened so quick. So, I, th- I didn't write down the date he actually died, but from <sighs> July 5th, it was only like 10 days or something like that, wasn't it? Uh, it might even be less yeah. from the first time he tried to cross the border. And, um, and like, everything seemed to be fine, and, you know, he was, you know, the same with any of these type of stories. He was a well-liked guy, you know, all that shit. Neighbors never had a complaint, all that stuff. But, and then suddenly something just spiked in him where he had this complete sudden mood swing change into paranoia, and he just kept saying that someone was following him and someone was after him. Yeah, so this this all took place over five days. It was July 5th. Five days. That's yeah. it. Five days. Yeah, of just the craziest, worst week anyone's ever had, really. And there are no suspects. No one has ever come uh, to the police with a tip or a clue. The closest thing is a woman said she saw him talking to some guy outside of a Cracker Barrel. Oh, really? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, the, in, in America or in... In America, yeah, in Tennessee. Are there cracker was... barrels in Canada? I don't know. It's a chain. There might be. <laughs> there must be, right? <laughs> it's got to be like some kind of weird foreign restaurant. <laughs> yeah. They put this weird gravy on the steaks, and the steaks <laughs> are covered in chicken. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, hey, it's kind of weird, eh? Uh, yeah, but that's that's about it. It's like, uh, I saw him talking to a guy outside of Cracker Barrel, uh, but that's probably nothing. Yeah, I really want to find the just the camera footage of the hotel. Because I want to see if it was literally like step in, step out, step in, step out. Or if it was like he'd walk in and be like, no, I need to catch a breather outside. He just couldn't work himself yeah. up to go talk to the desk woman. Uh, and it's just like, like the, the thing about the car is so crazy to me. The fact mm-hmm. that somehow he had driven it from D.C. down to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's got to be at least seven hours. Somewhere uh, on there, maybe. Yeah, Knoxville's a, Knoxville's a good long stretch. It and, might be eight. and he got there, stopped at a gas station, and then told the gas station attendant that his car wasn't working. And the guy, like you said, figured out that he didn't have the right key. So did he hotwire the car? Did he jam the key in? I don't know how 90s cars work. Did he yeah. jam the key in and just turn it? Movies lead me to believe that it's an easy process to, to steal hotwire, a hotwire right? car. So, yeah, like, cross red and blue, whatever. I mean, is he a construction worker? That might be something he knew just from working with equipment. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the story of Blair Adams, and it's still one of the creepiest things I've ever encountered, really, just because there's there's nothing. Yeah. There's no more information than what we just told you. That's literally everything. And I tried to dig, too. And I went around and uh, I, I started digging into, like, for my plot of the film, mm-hmm. I started digging more into, like, like monsters or urban legends or things mm-hmm. like that in, in <coughs> Canada, which I, I want to get into in another episode because there's some pretty cool ones in Canada. Um, you just want to write an episode of Supernatural. I know where this is going. Always. <laughs> always. And they I only have one season left to do it. <laughs> They're done. You don't have a chance. They don't want you. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> we're writing this. <laughs> That's what we're doing. All right, fine. So, uh, now we ask the important question. Uh, what do you got? All right. So, um, I had a lot of trouble with this one. Because there's so little information, mm-hmm. um, I, I I definitely decided, like, all right, I'm going to make this a creature horror movie, mm-hmm. and I'm going to change what I need to to fit my narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- 
the main thing is obviously still the same. It's the character's name is Blair Adams. Um, he's having trouble sleeping. He starts seeing things. And then the way that I took it in my story is that on one day on his way home from work, he decides to walk through, take a detour through like a forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say Wendigo, which is interesting because that's what I use in I this movie. I fucking <laughs> knew. I knew you were going to bring a Wendigo into this. I was trying to think of Canadian monsters, and I got, like, werewolf, I got something else, and I got, like, Wendigo, and I was like, well, not it's, werewolf. It's the classic North American monster. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not using fucking Sasquatch, so... No, he's probably chill. <laughs> yeah, although he is in Seattle. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have this story of just him on his way home from where he takes a detour into the forest, and for anyone who doesn't know what a Wendigo is, it's pretty much a monster that kind of is territorial, and if you pass by its territory... Uh, within the next couple days, you die because he hunts you down and kills you. Yeah, um, it's pretty much the easiest way to put it. So, I have that, and then throughout the time, uh, I want to build his paranoia and have him seeing a creature. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see a monster creature. I want to see something more in terms of like Slenderman, where it's like a person type creature, not in a black suit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I do want to have kind of like the idea of like you know in the background. You know, camera cuts or camera pans over, and you see like in the far background there's someone by like a stoplight or whatever. Interesting. And it's the same character uh, throughout time, and he starts to get more paranoid about it. And then honestly, my my movie idea was just just to take his journey. Um, but I did uh, add a couple things. So for my cast, for Blair Adams, I want to use a Canadian native, mm-hmm. so I chose Jay Baruchel hey. because I really want to see him in a serious horror movie. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I want to see his turn on that because he's really good at paranoia and comedy, (laughs) but I want to see him do it for some drama. Of course. Um, And then what I did was I changed the narrative behind the friend who he goes to and asks for help. I have her come with him. That way there's Mm. a little bit more of a camaraderie in the traveling and stuff like that. And she she becomes a part of it. And for the friend, I chose Kristen Bell. Because for some reason I just have a feeling that the two of them would like, fledge well together. I like it. I um, like it. So I have the two of them kind of on their journey from Seattle and Washington down to Tennessee. And I think I'm going to kind of brush through Seattle and Washington um, and then definitely make Tennessee the main point of the story, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Um, I would probably extend the time frame from five days over, mm-hmm. like, to maybe a month or something like that. Um, and I do have... I, I put in a detective who's kind of just following him, which leads Blair to thinking that that's the person that's following him. Wow. Because, you know, he comes down from the Canadian border, and, like, maybe he's, like, yeah. whatever, an FBI agent or something that's, like... Or, what is it NSA, I guess? National uh, Security, probably? Who would uh, Customs and Border Patrol. Something like that, yeah, yeah. So, I'm not sure what department that's... I mean, now it's probably Homeland Security. Right, back but then, in the 90s. Back then, that could have been, like, the Treasury Department. Homeland Security wasn't invented until the early 2000s, right? Yeah, that was developed by the Bush administration after, after, 9/11. after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely new government department. Um, so I, I brought in the character of like a detective or agent or whatever you want to call him, um, and I want Ethan Hawke just because of Sinister, because I go. love that there movie. <laughs> um, so I have him coming in, and I, I just like the idea of him like following him and not understanding what he's looking for mm-hmm. and also not understanding what Blair's looking for. So he's just like, I don't know why I'm following this guy, because technically he has not done anything illegal, but he's just kind of following him and like yeah. trying to chase him down. And I did add in a gas station attendant, because I want that to be a major scene with the car. I have no idea how it would play. It would probably just be a mystery where like 
the gas station attendant is also just like really curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, an, I, as kind of like a, a throwaway joke, I wanted another Canadian to be the Tennessee gas station attendant. Okay. So I chose Tom Cavanaugh. Oh, jeez. Um, okay. I'd probably, probably be like, whatever, the owner of the gas station or something <laughs> like that. Um, but I was looking at a list of Canadian actors and stuff. I was trying mm-hmm. to find people more in like their 30s, 40s. Mm-hmm. But IMDb just had a list of like famous Canadians. <laughs> On the list of like 50 people, Jay Baruchel was number five. And Seth Rogen was like number 40. It was very interesting to me to see that. Um, maybe it was alphabetical. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, wait, no, that would make sense because Dan Aykroyd was number one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it was alphabetical. I was well, going to say. We solved one mystery here today. <laughs> but we don't know how I got there. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have. I don't have much here. I just have the idea that, you know, he's being chased. He kind of brings his friend along. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of, like, I guess trying to calm him down and keep him sane. But then, obviously, she also starts seeing the things. Mm-hmm. So maybe she dies, too. Um, and it kind of just continues that way. Uh, I only had one title idea. Okay. I was trying to come up with a long title similar to the new um, Zac Efron, Ted Bundy movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But Something evil and vile. Extremely wicked, incredibly evil and vile or something like that. Yeah. Which is it's a quote from the judge. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't come up with anything... Because the only things I was coming up with was like, the curious case of, and then it was like, ah, Benjamin Button. And I was like, the strange tale of, and it just didn't work. So the only title I could come up with was The Traveler. That was it. Um, I was going to call it The Traveling Hitchhiker, and then I was like, wait, that's uber redundant. (laughs) (laughs) The flying pilot. (laughs) The swimming swimmer. Uh, That's pretty much all I've got. I don't have much around this one, and that's where I want to... uh, I want to build off of what we can do together. So, Rob, what do you got? Yeah, it's such an unsettling concept. And I, obviously your first instinct is to go supernatural with it. Yeah. Um, especially just because of the way he died. Like, I don't know anybody who can kill anyone with one gut punch. Right? Um, it it, might, it had to be like a crowbar or something. Yeah, like. I don't think any of us do. Um, so, actually, I, I took it in a slightly different direction on my end. Good. Um, in that... Uh, mine is more of a story about someone who's very much unwell. Um, okay. Which is why, first of all, I chose a director named Mary Heron. Oh, God, I didn't choose a director. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. You can think of one. I will. <laughs> uh, but Mary Heron uh, directed American Psycho with Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's having a, a movie come out next month, actually. Um, uh, it's a, char- a Charles Manson film, uh, but it's about a woman trying to get through to uh, I guess you would call them the Manson women, huh. uh, after he was arrested, because um, they were all just sort of in this lockstep delusional thing right. that, like, whatever Charlie says is true and good. Um, so I'm interested in that. I think Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor Who, was playing Charles Manson. Nice. Um, so the reason I wanted to get her for this project is one of the most interesting things about the movie American Psycho, to me, which I would apply to this, is that it you can kind of come away from American Psycho having read it as, um, he didn't kill anybody. He's yeah. a delusional weirdo. Yeah. Um, there's all, like, these little bitty clues throughout the movie, like, you know, a trail of blood as he's dragging a bag, and then the blood is gone in the yeah. next shot. Without sounding too pretentious, I think the book does a way better <coughs> uh, job of explaining the ending than the movie does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a bit more open in the movie. Um 
little things like that, just like, you know, he kills a woman with a chainsaw in one scene, and in the next scene he's, like, you know, sketching that on, mm-hmm. on a table with, like, crayon or something. And I just remember seeing it for the first time with this girl. She was like, oh, he didn't do any of this. Like, that's that's what uh, got her. <laughs> um, so delusion and being able to show a scene and then maybe imply later that a scene didn't happen mm, okay. uh, is important to me. So I would probably start this movie with, um, you know, we know Blair is someone who struggled with an alcohol addiction. Um, I would probably have it be just, you know, working long days in construction, maybe not being able to sleep. Smoking a lot of cigarettes, yeah, and like just shaking and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe he starts taking uppers. Yeah, uh, just amphetamines just to get through the day. As you know, that's pretty prevalent in construction and trucking, mm-hmm. and it even used to be fairly prevalent in well, sports. Also, because I, I did in some of the reading that I did, the company that he worked for was a German-based company, uh-huh. which kind of puts his ticket to to Germany in mm-hmm. in perspective. But also, he used to. Uh, travel to Germany a lot for work. So mm-hmm. you can kind of make that thing, too, where he's constantly traveling, like a trucker who's never home. Yeah, he you just, know? you know, he doesn't have a lot of personal connections, perhaps, other than, you know, he's got some friends, but maybe not a lot of close friends. Uh, maybe doesn't see his family a lot. And I just started to get into that mindset almost of a, like a machinist kind of thing, like somebody who's alone a lot mm-hmm. and is not sleeping and is... Uh, Maybe maybe taking some things he shouldn't be. I also see the kind of the the color palette of the machinist in this film. Yeah, very gray tones, the saturated. Yeah, everything kind of just leaking into each other. Yeah, that's uh, a dirty looking film. Yeah, um, and just trying to get that mindset. Like you know, over time, does that start to get to you? And do you start like you know maybe he does kind of have an experience like in your scripts. That he completely misinterprets, like he's mm-hmm. just starting to see things, and he's starting to think somebody is after him. So he creates the story in his own mind. Yeah, and he's he's, he's totally of of the belief that something's happening, and he you know average stuff that's happening in his life is like maybe a clue to him that somebody's trying to come after him yeah. over his work or or whatever. Um, and we actually see this because uh, the whole movie for me is from his perspective in its totality. Right. And we we have to make sure as an audience we don't get wrapped up in that and start believing it because we do play it kind of straight as a horror movie. And just all from his perspective, just this absolute episode of mania. This is manic behavior at its absolute worst. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he was bipolar. Uh, he might have been. That's something that definitely goes undiagnosed a lot, especially mm-hmm. back then. Oh, yeah. But this, this sounds to me like the absolute worst sort of manic episode. Yeah, definitely. Um do in your in your idea of the film, do you still follow him straight through Seattle, Washington, oh, yeah. and Tennessee? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is why I, I called the movie Shadowing. Nice. I like um, that. You know, to shadow someone uh, and follow them and track them everywhere. Um, that he has this belief, and he's just kind of always like, "Why is no one else seeing this?" It's always on the edge of things. Like people are watching me, almost in that Howard Hughes way of mm-hmm. like, you know having a fit because you see something like, who are those people? Do they work for me? Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, through the gas station, which I also for me, interestingly, was going to be like this absolutely huge moment of the movie where he's in a dead panic and he's kind of, does anybody know how to fix a car? And people are trying to help him and he's almost incoherent. Yeah. And then like they're learning, hey, these aren't the right keys. And he's just, he's ran off into the woods. Like I can't be in this spot anymore. Yeah. While you're looking at the car. Like, and that's like they're he, just talking to him. They're like, how did you get here? And mm-hmm. he's just like, I gotta go. Yeah. He can't explain. <laughs> he's just taking off and he starts hitchhiking. And for me, ultimately the climax of the movie, because this is a, like a tragedy to me, 
is I was trying to think of any way that someone could have a small contusion in their stomach and have mm-hmm. it be powerful enough to be killed. And I'm thinking once he gets to the hotel and he can't decide if he wants to go in, he can't decide if he wants to go in, I was thinking he has a fit because he sees something in German. Okay. Like, in the hotel like, or Yeah, outside? like a poster or a brochure or something. Oh, just something random. Yeah, that like triggers him about like, oh, I was going to go to Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the parking lot and he thinks he's about to confront something in the parking lot as you see this light sort of getting brighter in his face uh, a lot. And I was thinking maybe he sort of has just skimmed and hit by a car. Nice. Okay. Uh, but from your perspective, is he's like panicking and thinking something's coming at him that's going to kill him. And we play it like it's a monster. But ultimately, uh, we see it's a car and somebody drives off and it was a hit and run. Do you, do you still have him in the same like pants off, socks turned inside out thing? Or are you cutting that? No, I'm keeping that in like maybe he, he did that to himself. Uh, and just like stripped, and and okay. was was freaking out about something. So from his mind, the car mm-hmm. that hit him was a monster, not a car. And he's like, maybe yeah. like he's getting it's just contagious. Like he or catches, whatever. he just catches the bumper right here. Yeah, um, I was trying to think of reasons why he would just suddenly start stripping, and there's really not good reasons for that yeah. to happen. And there's not the, a lot of answers. The only other thing I can think of is if like the guy who hit and run him like got out and was like, oh god, I need to make this like look like something else. That's probably the only thing I can think yeah. of. Yeah, maybe take a little bit of the money and just threw the rest. Around. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. The fact that all that money was left there. Mm-hmm. Someone killed him. This wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't like he dropped dead from a heart attack. He was murdered. Yeah, his organs were ruptured. And all of this money was just left laying there. Yeah. Which and is, it's Tennessee. Which is why I went <laughs> with the notion that it wasn't like an intentional right. killing. He just like had been losing his mind and stripped off his pants and his, his shoes and... I would say threw him behind yeah. him. Maybe he thought he had goo on him or something. You know I would, what I mean? Like I, this I think the, the good idea in your film is kind of play off the idea of um, everything he's going to leads up to this moment, kind mm-hmm. of like a fate. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like everything he does, um, while it seems completely incoherent to him and to the audience, all of those moments led up to this thing happening and like that was his fate like it was bound to happen and mm-hmm. he he brought it into happening by doing the things trying to stop it well here's an idea I just had because I, I like that as an ocean a lot actually yeah. is that he keeps um, throughout the film a recurring piece of imagery is that he sees like a growing light okay yeah in yeah, his yeah. face and it's almost like that uh, that Charles Dickens ghost story notion of somebody sees their own death predicted right. to them in that way. Like, he keeps seeing that recurring image of yeah, like exactly. That he, that's what he's running from, and he winds up running into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, think that's a good way to play that. Um, what about your cast? Did you have anyone? Yeah, uh, to play Blair, I chose Miles Teller. Nice. Um, oh, you... God, don't let him hit, get hit by another car. <laughs> <laughs> it's Poor kid. It happens to him a lot in films, <laughs> I just realized. Yeah, and in real life. I'm adding another car. Jesus. Whiplash. Uh, what was the boxing movie? Oh, Shoot. um... I just looked this up. Yeah, I didn't see Aaron that. Eckert was in that. Yeah, it's Never a true it. story. Yeah, he plays Vinny Pazienza. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he gets hit by a car in that, too. <laughs> I just, and of course, you know, he has the scars. He really did get hit by a car. Yeah. Like, Sorry, Miles, I'm hitting with a car again. <laughs> um, and he's the only, like, known actor I actually have in the film. Just okay. because everything is so utterly from his perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone taken out of the film right. by recognizing people. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, even his friend. Like, I would just cast locals and stuff like nice. that. Nice. So literally, like, no no one that's been in the mo- in movies before. You're just casting, like, fantasy yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. Give, pe- give people their shots. Nice. 
like um, it. Just because, like, this... Uh, I did cast... This feels Doug, like a long panic attack to me. Yeah, I did cast Doug Jones as the creature, just so you're aware. <laughs> because why not? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you can move weird. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think if we were going to play this out, I think I would definitely go your route. Because mm. um, I like the... It's very much like The Machinist. Mm. Um, and I would definitely play that route. Um, while we were talking... I was thinking about directors, and I just came up with Scott Derrickson, who is the guy who directed Sinister. Just oh, because I, I really think that's a solid <coughs> horror film from the yeah. last decade. Um, and Sinister 2 is actually really good, too. Uh, I did the sequel, but I, I did enjoy Sinister a lot. It's good, because James Ransone takes over the main character. Mm-hmm. So Deputy So-and-So becomes the main character in the second movie. All right. <laughs> um, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... If you haven't seen Sinister and you're a horror fan, see Sinister. I think mm-hmm. it's a, a really good film um, with a very good twist at the end. Uh, but I I really enjoyed Ethan Hawke in that movie, so mm-hmm. I would love to see them work together again. Yeah. Um, but again, that's in my perspective, and I don't think those characters matter in the in the version we're going to be mm-hmm. kind of going forward with with yours. Um, I do like the idea of it being like all him mm-hmm. and like... You have other people in there, but it's just like quick scenes. They're not important. Most of the like, I can see the credits rolling, and it's like five people, like the whole film. Um, I still go with Jay Baruchel though, just because I I I really, I really want to see him take on something like this. Um, he's so good. Yeah, because you would feel at first like it's funny, and then it just becomes very much the way he's treating everyone in County. Like, oh, this is not funny. Like I can, I can just. He's so good at that comedy paranoia. Mm-hmm. I really want to see him do the, the I drama. I think he's about the same age as Blair. Uh, uh, so with Miles. I looked up Baruchel. He was born in, I believe it said 82. Uh, Blair was 30, 31 in 96. Yeah. So Baruchel's in his, what, mid-30s? Yeah, he's probably 35, 36. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Miles Stone's like there. 32, so that's not too far off. But yeah. So, he, he had a... Average face, Blair. Like, yeah, I looked, he, up, uh, I looked up a picture of big, like a, square, square face, yeah, smiling dude, bit of a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 1990s face. Yeah, probably wearing Eddie Bauer. It's just, <laughs> it's just so strange to me. Like this whole yeah. story is like not a single thing in it adds up. No, and I, I wonder if that would help play to the fact of making it like everything he does leads to this death. Yeah, and. How none of it adds up, but it actually all does. Everything mm-hmm. he does brings him to this fate. Yeah. You know, it's like it's um, it's like the idea of like you know someone afraid of drowning and they drown in their own tub, right? Yeah, it's exactly. The, it's the whole thing of like them trying to stop these things. It's like Final mm-hmm. Destination. Them trying to stop these things only for what they're stopping is causing it to happen, um, which I think is really interesting for this this movie. Um, would you keep it in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd keep the same time period. And I think it would help, because if you go today, you have to worry about tech. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so much easier to make something pre-cell phone era. Yeah. Uh, Somebody that manic at an airport, yeah. like nowadays, oh, too, yeah, yeah. and then immediately refunding the ticket. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah, that's the thing about, like, anytime I think about horror movies, how any horror movie that comes out now could have, like, it's so much easier to have done it in the past because there's so many things nowadays that you can just kind of, like, forego all these issues with tech. Um, But, yeah, I I enjoy... Who'd you say your director was again? Uh, Mary Heron. And what had she done? 
Uh, American Psycho. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. The Manson movie I was telling you about. And that's new? The Manson one? Uh, yeah, that's coming out. Um, we are recording this on April 11th, is today? Uh, yes, correct. So that comes out on May 10th, so it's pretty much yes. exactly the month. Yeah. And speaking of Manson, uh, since we've brought him up in every previous episode, let's talk about Jeremy Davies. <laughs> God. I realized that for some reason. We brought him up in both the first and second episodes talking about his character in Saving Private Ryan, and I think also his role in Helter Skelter. I like so Jeremy Davies. I, I do, too. <laughs> I think we're just going to make this a thing now. He has to be brought up at least once. All right. He at, can, at he one can work point, at the gas station. <laughs> at one point, we will cast him. <laughs> yes, he should be the gas station attendant. That you're, would be perfect. You're a cool dude, Jeremy Davies. And we enjoy you. You were so good in God of War. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was he in God of War? He was Balder. In the new one? Yeah. Oh, shit. I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. It's a good cast. Um, Man, this is, again, like, this is a tough one to do because there's yeah. just, it's this, as opposed to the first two episodes we did where we had more information we can kind of mm. go off that stuff and more characters to build off of. With this one, there's so little information for us to draw from that it's mm-hmm. all fiction. Yeah. Like, none of this, the, the only thing that's going to be true is his journey, his name, and his death. Yeah. And by truth of his death, I just mean the fact that he did die, not how. Yeah. Since we don't know. We have we have no <laughs> idea whatsoever. Uh, I guess I, 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 uh, this is the first thing that's, like, an actual unsolved crime yeah. that we have discussed. So right, I, I guess we should probably... Note that uh, if anyone listening to this who actually has information <laughs> about a guy that was killed in 1996, please, you know, been in a parking lot in Tennessee, yeah, like you know. if you're from Tennessee, why? Yeah, um, <laughs> saw a pantsless man get punched in a parking lot. Like, you why know. were his socks turned inside out? Uh, I, I, I can't figure it out. The only thing I can think of there is like maybe they t- see to me that kind of thing makes me think someone was actually following him and he had something to hide. Like yeah. something in his bank that yeah, it wasn't money. Yeah, not just money, not just the jewelry. He was hiding something. Yeah. And like today's day, in in today's world, if it was a movie, it would be like a USB drive. Yeah. But whatever it was back in '96. That's what leans towards the horror movie uh, monster uh, thing of yours. Like he took something he shouldn't have. That's, yeah, that's exactly. A it's a classic setup. Which I do, I do like that idea actually, because I wonder, can you put, can you put that into your uh, paranoia stream? Of him taking something he shouldn't have that doesn't actually matter. He just thinks he shouldn't have taken it. Yeah, that's. I mean, we can we can play it like that. Like that's kind of the inciting thing. Is as he's having these episodes, he he takes something. Yeah, like from something somewhere, maybe from the, from a construction dig site. Right, like maybe he finds a necklace yeah. or something like that, and he begins to believe that him having found that necklace is what's causing all of this. Yeah, and like. I guess you could add that, use that to add an element of ambiguity in the end. Like, uh, he's definitely hit by a car, and he'll, but like, you know, the guy gets out of the car and like starts going through his things. And at first, you're like, maybe he's looking for a wallet. And it seems like he does take yeah. take that thing, and it's like, oh, I wonder. What if you have it that like I, I have the image of him getting hit by the car in slow motion, and he's holding. Let's say it's a necklace. Uh-huh. He's holding the necklace, and as it's in slow motion, he gets hit. He lets it go, and it flies into a sewer, so it's never actually seen. Ooh, so yeah, that's, that's what actually is lost. I think ultimately, the the most realistic way I can find to portray it is part of what's inciting him to this manic episode is maybe he has like an undiagnosed problem with his appendix. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. It's, it's infected, and it's affecting his way of thinking. Can that happen? Like, with an appendix, is that something that you Yeah, can it, can, it can rupture and burst. I know, no, I know that, but can that oh. affect brain 
whatever. Oh, yeah, I think, uh, like, the appendix is, uh, when you're having problems with it, it can actually essentially leak, I don't want to say yeah. poison, but, like, toxins yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff into your body cavity. So I'm wondering if, like, that would affect his thinking and he's managing to survive with it. And at the end, he's freaking out and he's thinking he's got, like, I don't know, he's got stuff on him or something. And he takes his pants off and he takes his socks that, off. Yeah. And he approaches somebody in a parking lot in Tennessee who's like, you know, get away from me, you queer, and punches him and actually ruptures his appendix. Do you, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Do you think that you would have the film as the audience believes it's supernatural till the end or only the character does? I would play it pretty ambiguous. For, for a single perspective film in the, the way that I'm talking about, like, all you have is you, the things that that character is saying. Right, you have to keep it from perceiving. His, his perspective. Yeah, like, there's this, uh, uh, what's his name, the playwright? Uh, Tracy Letts uh, wrote this play called Bug, which mm-hmm. is a two-character play. Uh, Michael <laughs> Shannon's in it. Uh, and they made a movie, too, with Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd. But it's just these two people alone in a motel room. Uh, Michael Shannon is a war veteran with PTSD who believes the government put bugs under his skin. Hmm. And it's, like, tracking him. And he's part of an experiment. He's not. Right. Uh, and Ashley Judd is, like, you know, just getting over some problems. And, like, I think her child died. And she's, like, she's crazy. Yeah. And she comes to believe this, too. And, like, the government is responsible for killing her kid. And, like, she she has this moment in the movie where she's, like, she puts it together. And it's just, it, she's just a crazy person yeah. rambling. But that's all you have is her talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's from the audience perspective. It's like, oh, she's onto something. And then in the very end, you're like, oh, she wasn't onto anything. <laughs> it's like, you know she's crazy because of the way she's behaving. But, yeah. like, you don't have someone really around telling them that they are. I like that because then you keep it in the, in the perspective of him. Because the audience only has his perspective to go off of. Mm-hmm. So they think all this stuff is happening yeah. for a reason. That there is a supernatural element to it. In a way, kind of similar to... To, uh, which I actually don't like the ending of this movie, but The Boy with, um, uh, what's her name from The Walking Dead? Oh, I know the one you're talking about. With the little doll yes. and stuff? Yeah, I don't it, think I, I saw that all the way through. Okay, so the, the, the spoiler alert, the premise of the movie is that she goes to take care uh, of what she believes is a child for this uh, elderly British family in this very <laughs> nice like mansion in the middle of the countryside. Um, and it turns out she's there to take care of the doll and she has specific guidelines and rules that she needs to follow in order for the doll to <laughs> not get angry, pretty much. So the whole movie, you think that the doll is haunted and that there's some supernatural element. But what actually turns out, which, again, I, I don't like the ending, what actually turns out is that their son, uh, who had died, which you find out in the middle of the movie, um, didn't actually die. He's living in the walls of the house, and he's pretty much just using the doll as a fake conduit um, to keep her there, and the, the parents end up killing themselves because they can't deal with him anymore. Oh my God. So they pretty much just leave him in the hands of the girl, and it becomes a slasher film. Um, but in, in that kind of vein of keeping the audience yeah. in, in your perspective and then suddenly just turning it on its side at the when end. You, when you look back at everything that happened in the film, it can, makes sense. It now makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's, that's probably the way I would play it. It's I think just, I like that. Yeah. I think I really like that. Because it can also kind of be like... Um, a road trip movie. You know, like a lot of the film can be on the road. Yeah. Things he sees in the yeah. on the side of the road. He's alone. Hitchhikers that aren't there, stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, like I just I always love the idea of like back roads for horror films, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh Dead End, which is one of the creepiest horror films you can ever see in your life. Yep. Have you seen it? Yep. Okay, yeah. It, it, I'm gonna just keep plugging horror movies. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen Dead End, 
watch it, but do not watch it alone. That is the one movie, the one horror movie I won't watch by myself. Wow. Um, Lynn Shay is fantastic in that and everything she does. Um, <laughs> Lynn Shay, if you're listening, I love you. Um, but I, I always, I'm always very much fascinated by the idea of horror movies that take place in, you know, not back country, but mm-hmm. back roads, very desolate areas yep. where as you're driving, you see things on the side of the road that you don't expect to be there. Um, you know, the... The uh, the very cliche idea of driving down a forest road in the middle of the night and a young girl in a white dress just suddenly appears on the road. You know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Classic Jersey back roads. Up yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> and I think that you can bring that into this film because you you don't have to have it explained because it's not real. Yep. It's not like another supernatural horror movie where it's like, oh, there is a monster. They need to fight this monster. It's that this guy thinks there's a monster and no, this is reality. There's no fucking monster. This guy's just insane and everything yeah. he's doing is leading to his demise. Yeah, it's it's such a weird, bizarre, tragic story. <laughs> that's that's the best we can do to make sense of it. I wonder if his family ever continued to search for the truth and such like that. Like the Sodder children. Oh, um, uh, I mean, I'm sure... I'm, Sure, they would be the, right. very happy to have some information come yeah. up, but there's no, you know, there's no trail to follow. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We have we have everything we have, and there's nothing and else that's come up. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. I mean, this was the '90s. They would have been able to do like DNA tests and stuff like that, right? Uh, yes. Like I remember, somebody was proposing that it might have been a, some sort of sex-related crime. Because in one of his hands, he had there was like a strand of hair on one of his hands, like a long hair. Not his. Not his. Okay. And like they're like, is that part of it? Like, I'm like maybe, but also it's one hair. Yeah, one single hair. It wasn't yeah, like a one crumb. long hair. That's See now I've made it worse because like, <laughs> how do you end up with one hair? Who gets one like hair? If you're grabbing at the woman, like Honestly, I have one you're hair. Gonna get, you're gonna get a clump. Yeah. Let's be honest here. I'm trying to think if there were any like other weird. Because the the biggest weird parts to me were the car key mm-hmm. and the socks being turned inside out. That to me is strange for for some reason I don't know why. Because like I guess logically I can expect maybe they thought he was hiding something in his sock, which means whoever did kill him did it for a reason. Yeah. But the socks turned inside out is just strange to me. I get taking off the pants, checking to see if he has anything in his pockets or something like that maybe. Yeah. But. The question is, they say his shirt was torn, but how was it torn? Because, like, was it claw marks? Was it a knife? Like, well, oh, there's, there's another little detail I, f- I forgot to mention, is that he had a lot of, like, cuts and bruises on his body. Okay. Which kind of fuels my, my car concept. That's true, too, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, scrapes and stuff like that? Yeah. And it was in, it doesn't say anything about the parking lot, right? Like, it was. do we know what it was a parking lot to? Because it wasn't the hotel. No, it was half a mile away. Down the road, let me see here. And I don't think it was the Cracker Barrel that I was mentioning before. Let's see. And it, and he was found, I think, at like 6 a.m., so it happened in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was not a daytime thing. There wouldn't have been any witnesses, most likely. Um, yeah, he started having, know. like, mood problems in the summer, like I was talking about. It seemed like he was losing sleep. Do, 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 do. Is this the article you linked me? Yeah, the Odyssey Online. Okay. There's just so many sparse detail. I wonder his friend who, like, said no to helping him and stuff, I wonder what she's she's up to. I wonder if she constantly thinks about it. 
Yeah, I know which, I would. Yeah, it doesn't seem preventable, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be guilty. Yeah. Uh, he left the hotel at 7.37 on the night of the 10th. And he never even went never, into his room. Never went to his room, But he no. did buy a room, right? He did he rent a room. waiting for uh, the rental car company to get him another car or something. And I guess somebody had called and like he had the wrong key and we couldn't find the key. Uh, so he was waiting for a car. Shirt torn open, pants removed, socks turned inside out. Uh, yeah, they found him the next morning. So sometime between 7.30 and, and the next morning, he was I, killed. I wonder if you use, um, in a way, if you use the hotel as kind of a character. Um, maybe he believes the hotel he ends up trying to stay at is haunted or something like that. Maybe. Which is why he constantly can't like, keeps going in and out of the door and, and never actually gets to his room. Like Maybe you have a quick scene where he goes to the, the door of his room and through the peephole you get that light image again. Like yeah. it shines through on his ooh, face and he, ooh, and he runs good. out that way. Yeah. And he runs out and then that's when he gets that's hit or something. One. Yeah, because it doesn't say what parking lot, just that it was half a mile away. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's a lot of questions to answer. There's a lot of script to write. And no answers to have. <laughs> yep. Uh, but this is our idea for this film. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, please let us know your idea for the film, your cast, your crew, your director, your title. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you have any crazy wackadoodle stories that we could do in the next episode. Um, as of right now, we don't have what is chosen for next episode. Um but nah, we'll find some. We've got we've got a pretty <laughs> decent backlog right now, yeah. so we can we can go off of that. We we'll try re- to try we'll to s- recorded three by the time we we start publishing it. Yeah, we'll we'll try to we try to skip around genres. Um, I mean, technically, if you think about it, the Freddy Overstegen one ended up being kind of a psychological horror, so bit, yeah. we did go that route. And then the second one was just wacky well, Edgar Wright comedy, <laughs> yeah. um, and this one is definitely more psychological horror as well. Yeah, it's um, nice to get out of the, the early, middle 20th century, at least. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more recent. <laughs> we, we kind of pigeonholed ourselves there for a while. <laughs> yeah, the first two episodes. Um, but if you're a fan of the podcast, please do follow us on Twitter, which is up but not used yet. <laughs> By the time this is out, it will probably be Zero used. tweets. Um, uh, I believe we are uh, WDYG Podcast uh, on Twitter. What do yeah got WDYG mm. yeah uh, we are also WDYG podcast at gmail.com. if you want to email us uh, wherever we end up hosting this we will have a comment section uh, please share like and uh, enjoy upcoming episodes all right that's all I've got yeah all right uh, also I am uh, an executive producer at Cape Swoosh Productions uh, we adapt your favorite comics and graphic novels into uh, audio productions yeah. for your ear holes. Uh, we do a podcast over there as well, produced by, by my good buddy Jeremy, uh, that are a lot of fun. So uh, check us out, capeswooshproduction.com, capeswoosh on uh, YouTube. Later. <laughs> See you, kids. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter. At, at Gabby Vice.